This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. And guys, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Celtics Nets game. The Nets tonight, they won 121 to 109. The biggest story of tonight is pretty clearly just that the Celtics are really far behind the best team in the Eastern Conference, even without their best player. One, I, I assume you guys agree. And, and two, I'm curious what you guys think the implications of that are. I think we've always known this. It was just kind of telling seeing it like side by side, especially in that fourth quarter down the stretch. I mean, a lot of the talk when we've gone, the three of us have gone back and forth when talking about like potential trade options and what they could do at the deadline. Like all three of us have said, like, I'm not sure if there's a guy out there that can really take them to the next level. And I think that alone says how kind of far behind they are in comparison to the top of the Eastern Conference. Even just the depth pieces on Brooklyn, like you had Landry Shamit come up really big for Brooklyn tonight. And I don't know how the Celtics can really keep up with a team like that. And especially when there's no Durant, like what are they supposed to do when Durant comes back? You got Marcus Smart back. Yes, he wasn't able to play full minutes. Yes, you had a rough shooting night from Kemba and Jalen. Even if Smart is playing full minutes and Jalen's shooting well and Kemba's shooting well, Durant's back like this team they they certainly can't beat them in seven games like I, I just think it's something we've known but seeing it you know side by side in a head-to-head matchup was pretty telling what's sad about this game is you could argue it actually was a pretty good showing for the Celtics yeah yeah and yet it still was so obvious that there's a giant gap between these two teams and like you mentioned that's without Kevin Durant I don't think it's that surprising. I think it's pretty obvious when you look at James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant versus Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like, what do you expect? And that's just the star level. And then it becomes way more drastic once you go to the bench. I mean, like you said, Chris, we've sort of known this and then tonight just confirmed it. There's no way they could win a seven game series. They've got some work cut out for them and I mean not to dip into the second part of your question already Tom but like I think that's probably factoring into Danny Ainge's decision making when it comes to whether to use the TPE now or to just wait one of the things that's really interesting to me about the Nets kind of contrasted against the Celtics is when the Nets were assembled I think everyone kind of looked at them and said well it's three ball dominant guys and, you know, who knows how well they'll fit together without considering the ways that those guys are ball dominant, because what the nets have done is they've basically put together a system where three guys are super, super high usage. Only the nets and the Celtics have three players who are as high usage as their top three players. So Jalen, Jason and Kemba on the Celtics, obviously uh, Durant, Kyrie and, and Harden on the nets. All three of them have usage rates over 29%, which is really, really high. I think it's really interesting that 
you know, the Nets are constructed in a way where James Harden has the ball in his hands a lot. He's basically the de facto point guard. Kyrie is the de facto shooting guard, which suits him perfectly because whenever he gets the ball, he's just expected to score. And then Kevin Durant is just Kevin Durant. And when he's in the game, you know, he'll get his buckets and just kind of, you know, be a dominant force. But it, it is these three ball dominant guys. It is three scorers. But the three scores just they do kind of click like there is something that works there. And it's funny kind of contrasted with the Celtics where there's been times like Kemba, Jalen and Jason on paper, you'd be like, okay, you know, Jason is sort of like this finesse player. Jalen is kind of this put his head down and gets the rim guy. Kemba is, you know, like a pick and roll point guard leader type player on paper. It feels like they would work, but there just is something that doesn't necessarily click for those three guys. And obviously there's, you know, I mean, there's a talent gap there because Harden, Kyrie and and Durant are three of the best players in the NBA. But I think it also is the fact that for some reason, those three stars, yeah, they might not fit on every team, but for some reason they do really seem to fit together. I think when you're looking at like Jalen and Jason's game and how a lot of their offense is kind of ISO based and it's tough to watch them morph together it speaks to how like unbelievable the skill sets of Durant and Kyrie and Harden really are because they're so adaptable and it doesn't matter if one of them is out or if all three of them are in their ability to adapt with who's around them at seemingly all times is really, really remarkable. And that is something that Jalen and Jason can completely, you know, develop over their time. They have plenty of time to develop that, but I think that's a really hard thing for a young like star to do in this league. And I think that's just a major advantage when you have three high usage guys who are so good at adapting to the personnel around them. Whereas the Celtics, two of their three high usage guys are younger players who are still developing a lot of the complementary areas of their game. And so I think that creates a lot of difficulties for the, the meshing factors of the Celtics offense. Yeah. And like the Celtics shouldn't be, I mean, obviously they should be disappointed because the franchise is always trying to win. And like, obviously they want to capitalize on the duo of Jalen and Jason. So like, yeah, I I get that, but like, this should not be a surprising result to the Celtics either. Like the Nets trio is literally in their prime. Yeah. I don't know what you do now. This is a really tough position to be in because yes, like Jalen and Jason are young, but like they're ready to try to win right now. And the Celtics should be focused on trying to get them to win right now. And all of a sudden, you know, the Celtics spent all that time with LeBron James in the Eastern conference. And it was like, man, like, you know, LeBron is just like, he just owns the Eastern conference. And they had this small window where LeBron went to the West and there wasn't a super team in the Eastern conference. And then now there is like, this is a super team. The Nets just have so much more going for them. And like, like I said, the Celtics want to win right now, and that's going to be really hard to do with a team like the Nets blotting out the sun in the Eastern Conference right now. That's another thing, too, about the Celtics. Like, you're asking Jalen and Jason to be more adaptable than they're probably capable of right now with such a short depth behind them. Like, there's just no one to work with, you know what I mean? And I'm not I, – I don't like saying that because I feel like I'm directly insulting, like, Shemi Ojale and stuff, and – but those guys are being asked to also step outside of their skill sets. You know what I mean? So it's just a brutal situation kind of for everyone involved to try and play up to the nets. It's just not possible. In developmental psychology, you learn that babies operate best with like the zone of proximal development. Like they want to be in the ring just outside of like their current capabilities. So that way they're tested, but you don't want to be in one ring too far because otherwise right. it's too difficult. 
And I feel like everybody on the Celtics right now is operating in the ring one outside of that. So it's like just a little too, they're just all a little too pressed and it's not working. It's actually spot well, on. I, I like that. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think too, like part of the problem is that the Celtics have built a team like, yes, you know, the Celtics are ready to win right now. We say that all the time, but at the same time, there is kind of this sense of like, yeah, but if they don't, it's okay. Cause Jalen is, you know, only 24 and Tatum's only 22 and you like or 23 now, I guess. And it's like, that's, that's all technically true. But if the team is ready to win right now, that it is kind of urgent to start building good winning habits. And it is kind of urgent to, to put together a winning team, especially because you look at the nets and that is a team that is built to win a lot. And right now, you know, you can say like, okay, the Celtics might have a longer window, but it's not like the Nets guys are that old. Like Kyrie's young, pretty young still, you know, Harden is, is what, like 31. Like this team, if it, if this team stays together for a bit, they're going to be good for a while. I don't know what the fix is like in season. Like that's the conversation right now, right? Do you use the TP? Do you not? Like, I feel like we've talked about this. So everyone has so much. But realistically, like this is who you're competing with, right? This is what you're trying to make moves at the deadline to compete with. And like we've said before, there's nothing that's going to get you to that point with the pieces you have. So like, I don't know. I just think this game tonight is further evidence for you should probably just hold on to the chunk of that TP for the offseason to see for a bigger slash because like you're operating in a space right now where you're not really going to find a, an all-time fix for this particular season. Do you know what I mean? I do. I, I will say in defense of, of using the TPE, you probably aren't going to find that player in the off season with the TPE anyway. Right. So if you can get a good player now, there's value in that. If you kind of like accept the fact that this isn't going to be the player who gets you, right. who, who gets you over the hump against the Nets, because the player that you get in the off season with the TPE probably also won't get you over the hump with the Nets. It's going to have to be a different kind of team building construction to make that Fair. happen. Harrison Barnes, Aaron Gordon, like there are guys out there that I think it's worth using on. I don't know. I just don't really like the looks of the market right now. And this is a dangerous game to play. If you're front office, the grass is always greener. Well, there's a good chance it's not. I don't know. It's, I can see why they would be hesitant to do that. Well, and I think that they might be more willing to hold on in hopes of Bradley Beal becoming available and just trying to see what they might have to do to make that happen. So it's like, you don't want to make a move at the deadline that might like preclude you from making a bigger move down the road. Not that all moves will prevent them from also trading for Bradley Beal, but I think they just want to see their full slate of options before really making a decision. I mean, Danny said this morning, Thursday morning on Toucher and Rich that the team most likely will use it in the off season. And maybe he's blowing smoke, but like, I think he's been dropping hints. He and Wick have both indicated that that's the direction they were trending. So Trading for Bradley Beal isn't going to involve the TPE. So I don't know that that, like, I know, Danny, but like, wouldn't you want to retain all of your assets? Like, if your ultimate goal is to pursue Bradley Beal, though, like, why would you pursue a player in the meantime without knowing for sure if you could get Bradley? You know what I mean? Like, that's why I think the mid level guys make the most sense. Yeah, here. exactly. Like, I think the move, if they were to be pursuing Bradley Beal, would be to get Bradley and then build around that. Like, why would you move players, but then not know exactly what the team fit will be? Cause you don't know exactly what your roster is going to be. If that makes sense. No, it does. I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Correct me if you guys disagree here, but I don't see that deal getting done at all. Unless Jalen is involved. 
I, I 100% agree. There's no okay. way. It's just going to be too easy to overcome the Celtics offer without Jalen. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, you can offer a million picks and I'm sure the Celtics, like I would imagine the Celtics will try that. Yeah. But like, if, if, if it's going to be Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like those picks are going to be bad in like in perpetuity. Yeah, they're used like, to, right. right. So yeah, no, I agree. Let's, let, let's get into a couple of, we can, we can go through the game a little bit here. It's funny. I came away from that game just very like, like just thinking very big picture, I, I guess we can get into some of the smaller picture stuff. I, I, I just, I think the long and the short of it is that the Celtics are not good enough. And this is a game that hammers that home. Like you can have your cute little, you know, four game win streak before the all-star break. And then you play the, the nets and the nets remind you that it was just a cute little four game stretch. Um, it's the Ben Golliver cute story effect. That's it. <laughs> um, I'll chuckle. Like I get that joke. Um <laughs> The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. One thing that I thought was was important from tonight's game, um, obviously Marcus Smart was back. He played uh, really well. It was funny, you know, the Celtics missed him defensively and the Celtics have been a mediocre defensive team this year, but I really felt like the biggest area that he helped on Thursday was just the fact that he was another guy who knows how to play NBA offense. You know, he, he distributed the ball well, he shot well. Celtics missed that. You know, they missed having another true NBA player who can play NBA offense and who can score a little bit on the floor. It's not really what you would always associate with Marcus Smart, but I thought he did it really well on Thursday and, and really reminded them what they were missing. Yeah, he's an adult. He's, he's an adult. adult. <laughs> he's a grown he's an man. adult. He's an adult who knows how to move off the ball. Like I thought the spacing was a lot better with him off on the floor tonight. There's been times over the last couple of weeks without him where the Celtic spacing just looks a little messy. Like it's not necessarily terrible, but it's just not as good as it is when he's on the floor. He just, without the ball, kind of knows how to find the open space. And he's just a ball mover. We've talked about the Celtics need for a guy who can move the ball. And he didn't rack up the assists tonight like he does at times throughout this season he has. But I mean, he moved the ball well. Like he, it was another facilitator out there and another guy to just kind of whip the ball around when a lot of times the Celtics hit these like brutal stagnant stretches when he wasn't on the floor. Uh, and when he was hurt over the last couple of weeks. So yeah, he's an adult who knows how to fit into an NBA offense and move the ball. And that's like vital to open up Jalen and, and Jason's games a little bit. For sure. Another guy who I thought was, was really uh, important, Jason Tatum. Like not only did he look good, I thought he looked, I don't know if it was better rested or what it might be, but like, you know, there was, there was just this kind of like, there was a pop to his game tonight. There was a pop to his game that hasn't been there since COVID. I think that one thing that could really boost the Celtics in the second half of the season is if he goes on one of those Tatum just rampages where he's just for like two straight weeks, three straight weeks, he's one of the best players in the NBA. And that, that happens. Sometimes it happened last year. Um, it seems to happen in like sort of little spurts. So if that happens, I think, you know, that would obviously bode well for the Celtics. Again, I don't think it makes them better than the Nets almost no matter what, but it could help them in kind of the win loss record. 
Yeah, I mean, heading into the All-Star break, everybody was talking about how Jason Tatum really needs a rest day and same with Jalen Brown. And Jalen got a few, but I mean, this roster is so pressed with Kemba sitting the second night of back-to-backs. Like there aren't really opportunities for Jason to also get rest time if this team wants to buy for seating. So I wonder if they'll try and incorporate like a little bit of that because he has been vocal about the effects of COVID. They didn't really do it in the first half, so I'm not expecting anything. It does seem like the rest helped him, or maybe he was just pumped to go up against Kyrie and the Nets on national TV. Yeah, he definitely looked a little energized tonight, which was good. I mean, they like desperately need him on the floor for games like this, especially early in the fourth quarter. If he was if he didn't come back into the game early in the fourth quarter, like it would have gotten away from the Celtics right then. And granted, it did at the end of the quarter, but he came back into the game and like shot some energy and and some buckets into the Celtics and kept them in the game for a little while, which was really vital. Um, And it's just those kind of things that they don't really get from other guys unless Kemba's having a hot night or Jalen is like, it's so sporadic. So I thought his energy was, was pretty like reassuring to see because he looked like he was just gassed going into the all-star break, which you're recovering from COVID and you're in a really condensed schedule. That's pretty understandable. Yeah. A hundred percent. Him and Jalen, which could probably lead us into Jalen. Just like an an abominable shooting night for Jalen Brown. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like he has, he has tailed off a little bit since his just like red hot start to the season. Uh, For the season, he's averaging 24 points, 48.5% shooting 38% from three. Last 10 games, he's at 20 points, 40% from the field, 32% from three. And then the last five games, um, and I don't think this would include tonight's game because the NBA's stat site is usually a little bit slow to uh, update. 16.8 points, 36% from the field, and 24% from three. He's tailed off quite a bit. I mean, what's kind of your guys' concern level with that? He just kind of has not looked like the same player. I mean, he does look pretty, I don't want to say lethargic because I think that's a little severe, but to a point he does like it's, he had a lot of like jolt to his game early on in the season. And there hasn't really been a whole lot of that over the last month. Like in watching him play the Clippers game before the all-star break comes to mind for spurts. It's almost like he's not really there. And he said it, I think after the the Raptors or the Clippers game, one of them, he was like, I just, I, I need to play better I need to be more present like in in the game a little bit and I think I don't know if it's his attention I don't know if it's his energy because again he's been he he could use some rest days too but maybe it's the knee tendonitis I'm not really sure but he just looks a little sluggish and that's the main thing that sticks out to me with his game yeah I feel like it's sort of hard to assess how much the knee tendonitis is affecting him because he hasn't really missed time and the team isn't like actually sort of acknowledging it as a real injury they're just like oh yeah like he just has sort of constant nagging knee soreness. I wonder how much that is a factor, but I would say my concern level isn't that high yet. While I acknowledge he definitely worked really hard and has improved greatly, I think he got off to sort of an unsustainable start. So it shouldn't be surprising that he's sort of regressed to the mean a little bit. And then we'll see, hopefully it rises to just sort of a a happy medium. For sure. 
Jalen's a really good player. I, I'm, I have no real doubt that like that he'll go through a good stretch and get himself back up again. Um, you know, kind of get himself back on track again, especially, you know, and I actually would not be at all surprised. Like you guys said, if, if, if the knee tendonitis is acting up, but the numbers over the last like 10 games and especially over the last five games are not encouraging. And, you know, tonight, I think he was, he was what, like five for 23, like really, really bad. I, I, I don't, I think he may have led the team in shot attempts despite his struggles. So tough night for Jalen. Tough night for Kemba Walker, who started really, really well. Four for five from the field, uh, nine points. The rest of the game scored two. I, I don't know what happened there. Like, I, to be honest with you, like, like I, I just kind of like stopped thinking about him until like midway through the third quarter when I realized he hadn't scored in a while. And then was like, wait a minute, that's really weird because he was easily the Celtics best player in the first like 10 minutes of the game. So I don't know. Did you guys notice what was happening with Kemba? Was he just like not shooting? Like what happened? I think he just went cold from deep and I think it just flattened out the rest of his game. Like he still was moving pretty well and it wasn't like he, I, I don't know. I, I just think he had a bad shooting night. I don't want to read into it too much because again, like if a guy like shooters, they go through those stretches sometimes. And granted he wasn't very good against Toronto either in the last game before the break, but like no one was, it was a classic like three, two, one Cancun kind of game where let's just get to the all-star break. But he had a good stretch leading up to that game before the all-star breaks. I just, I'm not trying to simplify it, but I do just think it was a bad shooting night. Every night he has a bad night doesn't mean we need to like have a referendum on the status of his knee. Like yeah. he's past his prime, I would argue, or just like right on like the cusp of his prime declining. So it's like, just not every night is going to be a banner night for him and that we just sort of have to accept that healthy knee or not. Yeah. I, uh, in, in terms of, in terms of other guys, I mean, I don't really have much else. I mean, Daniel Tice was good. I kind of go up and down the rest of the team and in terms of takeaways and in terms of kind of instant reactions to a game like this, again, I just go big picture. The big picture here is that the Celtics aren't good enough and I don't know how they get good enough to beat this Nets team. And that's kind of it. I, I would like to have like answers and be like, well, this is maybe this is what Danny Ainge is going to do next. Or, you know, maybe this is what player X could do, or maybe this is what Romeo Langford will bring when he comes back to the team. But like kind of at the end of the day, this is just a, like the Nets are just a better basketball team. Like, is there any like more micro picture or are we just kind of macro with the rest of this one? It's so hard to watch a matchup against the Brooklyn Nets and not go macro and not look at the big picture. The Celtics are staring their fate right in the eyes. Like, I don't know how you're, how you can not pay attention to that. I don't think that they're like hopeless or anything like that. But when you look at the big picture, it can get a little dark because they're just not in the same league right now as the Nets. And that sounds brutal to say, but they're really not. It's just so clear when they play against them. So I think it's totally fine to look at that macro, you know, that big picture when you play against the Nets, because it's impossible not to, in my mind, like it's right there in front of you. And not for nothing. That is why people pointed out that last year's failure in the bubble really mattered. Yeah. Because that was their shot. That was an opportunity. The other like micro thing that I had is like the big situation is just so effed up at this point. Like, I don't know how they're going to rectify that either, because if all three stay on the roster, what are we doing here? Um, two things about that. One, Nicole, I always enjoy like when you decide to actually curse on this podcast where we absolutely can curse and where you decide to say effed up. Number two, <laughs> I love how many times guards attack Rob Williams and like you can beat Rob Williams. It's not like it's not like he's this like impenetrable wall of defense, but 
how many times guys think maybe I can just sneak this one over him. And Rob's just like, Nope, <laughs> like yeah. every single time, every three, every, every floater that somebody tries to get over Rob is not going over him. You can pump fake and drive straight into him and draw a foul. And it's, it's going to work for you, but you're just not going to be able to sneak it over him. He is the best defender against sneak threes and floaters in the NBA. <laughs> he blocks James Harden yeah. at the line and James Harden master of drawing fouls easily could have done something to fake Rob out, but well, he, he did he- it in the game. He drew <laughs> fouls on Rob in the game. That time he decided I'm going to try to shoot no, this but three. You could see in, the, you could sort of see Harden's thought process. Cause at that point the nets were up and he was just like, well, I have Rob on me. There's like four seconds on the shot clock. I'm going to hoist it. And Rob was like, bang. Rob also blocked Kyrie. Um, that was more Marcus Smart's doing. Smart would kind of like slowed Kyrie down and like, but Rob still did it. So shout out to Rob. Also, I feel so bad for Romeo Langford. He cannot catch a break. The second he's about to pop back in the lineup, jumps right into health and safety protocols. Like that, I, I honestly genuinely feel bad for him. Yeah, Brad today said basically that um, he doesn't have a sense of when Romeo is going to be back. Um, it could be anywhere from a week or, uh, you know, it could be longer. It just depended on when he gets the green light. And he said it started yesterday, though. Obviously, some of it depends if Romeo tested positive or if it was contact tracing. We don't know what the case is there. Um, all right, guys. Uh, anything else that we want to that we want to hit on before we wrap up here? Grant Williams played. Grant that Williams was kind played. of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He did have a haircut. I think he's going to get minutes. I don't think he's like, he's not like a DNP CD forever kind of guy. Like he's not, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's like, he's not Tremont Waters. Like he's going to, he's going to get watch real. It, watch it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going to get real minutes. Uh, it's just a matter of matchups. And, and the Nets actually are a team that a guy like Grant could, could really play uh, against. This might be a generalization just about like, I don't know, the sample of games we've gotten from Grant this year, but I feel like he, has he's had trouble this year finding like a happy medium with his game like there's a lot of games where he does get minutes and he's just a non-factor and then there are other games where like right before the all-star break where he'll hit a couple threes like he's very very good and obviously then he has a dnp but i i don't know like tonight he was okay it seems like he's had trouble finding like that happy medium when he does get significant minutes I wonder if that has to do with like the role in those games. Obviously you'd have to look like a little bit more closely in the opponents and who's on the floor, but like he basically like straddles either a small ball center or like a wing. And obviously the former is a lot easier for him because that's what he was doing last year. So I feel like when he's a wing, he's just like trying not to like mess up. Yeah. And yeah, he's just like trying to stay on the, the floor, whereas he can have much more of an impact in the small ball center role because he's more comfortable with that. And it's just. Well, and, and again, not for nothing, like we were saying, like not for nothing, that's what Brandon Bailey trained him to be all of last exactly. year. So for him to, yeah, I think, I think he's going to be like a PJ Tucker type wing down the road. Like I think he's going to be that kind of shooter and everything, but he spent all of last season learning how to be a small ball center. Then the Celtics went out and acquired Tristan Thompson and now have Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tyson, Rob Williams on the roster. Like that doesn't leave any room at center for Grant. So now Grant is trying to be a wing, but all he had was like a month and a half off between last season and this season to learn how to be a wing. It's funny because what he was in college was a power forward. And the one thing he can't be in the NBA is a power forward. 
So he's got this really complicated, you know, sort of situation. And I mean, I, I, I feel for him. It's yeah. like, that's tough. And I, I think he's a good player and I think he's going to be a good player, whether that's as a small ball five or as a, you know, as a PJ Tucker wing, whatever it ends up being, but whatever it is, he's going to have to really work for it. And we know that Grant will work. So that's why, that's why I'm, I'm fairly confident that he's going to be a, you know, a long-term NBA player, but it won't be easy. The reports out of Houston indicate that PJ Tucker is going to become available. So it would be extra cruel of the Celtics to not only load up on the fives, but then also sign PJ Tucker for Grant. I would feel so bad. (laughs) Don't don't speak this into existence. (laughs) This podcast is a pro Grant podcast. He was our very first friend of the show, Grant Williams. The first friend of the show. It would just be so cruel of them to do that to him. It really would. That'd be so I mean, mean. Again, Grant, Grant's a good player. Like I, I, it's tough because, and the thing about Grant is that I think he's a situationally good player. Like you have to have the right situation for him to really work. The Celtics right now just don't have that. So he's going to find his place in the NBA. I, I'm very confident about that. Because you also see a little Marcus Smart in him and that he yep. dives for loose balls. He has that like tenacity, he the intangibles as they call him. Like he definitely can bring that out. It's just a matter yep. of all the other stuff that will actually earn him playing time. Right. No question. We can probably leave it there. Thank you to everybody for listening. We appreciate you all. Feel free to leave us a five-star review. Feel free to DM us with any questions, comments, and concerns. And we will talk to you soon.